This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is very early in Hawaii, so I will whisper is not to wake the neighbors. One more day on the Kona Costa Hawaii with the Monty Show, presented by the Utah Advocates, utahadvocates.com, your best injury attorneys. When you're in an accident, you're hurt, the last thing you need to be worried about is having an advocate. That's why you get to utahadvocates.com. They're going to defer your medical bills. You're going to get a free consultation. And the best part is you don't pay a penny until and if the advocates win your case. UtahAdvocates.com presents the Monty Show. Oh, the rage on Twitter yesterday, Jake. Mm-hmm. When a certain Homer radio host. Individual. Person guy said that uh, Utah is middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Average. Not very good. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. We'll debate <coughs> that very discussion <coughs> as I <coughs> enter the center of death on my voice. <laughs> um, we have to talk about humidity because I don't know how to break it to you. It is ragingly humid in Hawaii. We don't have air conditioning. Could you do it? Could you do it? We have locks in the NFL. Is Will Anderson in Alabama the single best player in college football? And what will Texas do to deal with him? We'll lock that game for you. USC and Stanford, BYU and Baylor. All right, Jake, since we now know, thanks to a certain radio host, that um, without question and without doubt, Mm -hmm. in fact, you know, Utah's just some meddling average team that sucks out loud. Um, Just give me your initial pulse on BYU and Baylor. Yeah, I mean, I think that that BYU and Baylor is obviously a a, a get back game for BYU. I, I think if you you know listen to the show yesterday, you listen to Harris the chance to talk about this game. I I think obviously you know BYU and and all the guys in that locker room know what happened last year, and they know that that obviously is as the program in the bigger picture heads into the Big Twelve. Um, this is a big time matchup, and so I it, you know that that's where it, it sort of all starts. I think if you're you know. You know, Jaron Hall, you're you're looking to have a better performance. Last year, you did not have a good outing against Baylor, uh, and and I think that needs to change this year. And frankly, I think that BYU just seems to be in a more confident place this year, and and that's uh, that's really good to see, frankly. Yeah, and I think this game against Baylor is huge. And I, you know, I know we've talked a lot about this. I know we've gone round and round about the importance of every single game for BYU. This one truly matters. Harris Lachance, who's on the show every Wednesday. Uh, If you missed it, make sure you check it out. It's on the channel. Uh, You can find it on my Twitter feed as well, The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show uh, is where you find me on Twitter. But I I think when you listen to what Harris said, they're thinking about what happened last year. They've watched that tape repeatedly. They know how badly they got beaten by Baylor last year. I don't think that's the case, and we're going to do a lock on this. We're doing two hours today in hour number two of the show, provided that your whatever groinky internet works. Hey, man. Um, In hour number two of the show, we're going to deliver a lock on this game. But, folks, don't get it wrong. This is going to be a very, 
very close game for BYU and Baylor, and I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think we've seen the explosive capabilities of the BYU offense. A lot of people feel like you know Gunnar Romney is going to be back on the field this week to add to the depth. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens with Puka, um, but this is a huge game for BYU. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I also think this Alabama-Texas game is the stuff of dreams, mm -hmm. and I, I, I cannot wait. Um, for that ball game, I think it is hugely important um, for Texas to to compete in that game. I don't see any way that Texas wins that game, but I also don't see any way Alabama covers the number. We'll talk about that. I mean, that number it's massive. I, I have it at nineteen there, but I can also tell you that um, there are certain books where you can get it right there at twenty points. Yeah. That's a huge number in college football. That game is in Austin, which is where Texas plays. And again, as I said a minute ago, I understand that Will Anderson's the best player in college football. Quarterback, running back, your mom, he's the best player in college football. Right. And let's be honest, Texas doesn't have a way to deal with that. They're very young on the offensive line. I think that's going to be the matchup. But if you look at the games, there are very few marquee games on the schedule this week. I think there's only three top 25 teams playing each other. Um, you know, Florida, Kentucky, and, and apparently, according to the Homer radio shows here in Utah, um, Florida's the best team in the history of college football. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I was unaware of that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, Florida is amazing. And, and stuff. It's everything you want in a college football team, I, you know. Right. Um, let's talk about Utah football, because I think one of the things that is so interesting with all due respect, um, is that many people believe that, you know, it was a fluke and they didn't go to the Rose Bowl. It, it was a down year right. and Utah's not good. And uh -huh. it was tweeted at me yesterday. Obviously, I am in Hawaii. I am not listening to Utah Sports Talk Radio. Right. Um, it was tweeted at me yesterday that on Ben Criddle's show, Benjamin broke out the take that um, Utah is middle of the road. Right. And that they got outclassed in the swamp. That's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. And <clears throat> listen, <clears throat> excuse me, listen, I understand that Ben has an audience to serve. I understand that Ben Criddle's a guy that people look at as the BYU guy. Right. I believe that he does his show from the hearts of BYU country. Mm -hmm. But this is one of the worst takes I've ever heard. And with all due respect. I don't think Ben Criddle believes that. I there. If you watch the game on, on Saturday at the Swamp, yeah. there's nobody that would watch that game and come out of it feeling like Utah was middle of the road. I don't know, Ben. I frankly have heard his his show maybe two or three times. He played football. I would like to think he knows a thing or two about football. What common sense would you need to say that Utah, I mean, and when I say Utah, I mean the University of Utah Utes football program is middle of the road. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a really interesting take, you know, all things considered. Um, you know, obviously I disagree that Utah is a middle of the road team. You know, I think that Utah has had a bad outing. I'll be honest. Like, I think that uh, as we've been saying all week, you know, Utah, 
um, didn't tackle. Utah didn't really execute, and they paid the price for that with a loss. You know, yeah. and and I think that that's just the business of football. And I think that that um, what we do in the media is we tend to jump too far one way or the other. And 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 this isn't just about you know Ben or 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 whoever. I'm just sure. saying generally speaking. Like I think in the media. What happens is, is like, you know, we'll, we'll like earlier in the week, you had kind of talked about that, you know, Utah State was a legitimate opponent against Alabama. And I kind of disagreed with that. And then they go out and roll Utah State in a dominant performance. Like there's these conversations we have about football and sports in general where something will happen and we'll just kind of jump too far. And I think that that's kind of what happened here with all due respect. I mean, I, I just think that Utah is a is a program that is way better than middle of the road. I think Utah um, is a Rose Bowl caliber team. Uh, I think that Utah, you know, had they gone out and beaten Florida at the Swamp to start the year, what would we be saying? Well, I know we wouldn't be saying they're a middle of the road team. I can tell you that, right? Like we would be saying, well, they've kept the momentum from last year. You know, you you maybe maybe a, a, a Rose Bowl appearance in back-to-back years is in the books. You know, it is in the stars. So that's why I say I just think that that a lot of times that's what happens in sports. But I'm here to adamantly say, like, they're not a middle-of-the-road team. I think that they didn't execute. They did not punch it in when they had the chance. And furthermore, and the reason they lost the game is because they didn't tackle and they didn't do things the right way defensively. I have no idea (laughs) why are – hey, how are you? There. How about that? Did that fix it? There we go. Our screen just went black. I have no idea why that happened. We have had some weird technical gremlins on this show this week. I'll be honest with you. Our internet just chooses to stop working when it gets tired. Like, I think it's running on a treadmill, and it's only going to go for two hours. A little hamster wheel action. I appreciate you very much for hanging out. But anyway, my point is, listen, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase on Utah. Utah is not a middle-of-the-road team. Yeah. Anybody that says Utah is a middle-of-the-road team just didn't watch that game. And I want to get this point really clear because there were some people talking about how Utah football was making excuses about their jerseys were slippery. Utah made no excuses. If you listen to Kyle Whittingham's press conference, there were no excuses about slippery fields or slippery jerseys. Utah didn't tackle. Let's just get this clear right now. Mm -hmm. Utah had not one or two, three opportunities to win that game. They played arguably the worst game I've seen them play in two full seasons on Saturday in in Gainesville. They didn't tackle. They didn't execute the passing game. Devon Bailey only had three catches. I mean, this was one of the worst performances I've seen out of Utah's defense maybe ever in Kyle Whittingham's tenure. Facts. And they lost by three points Mm -hmm. on the road in the swamp. It took something special to beat them. I'm telling you now. This set of circumstances will never repeat itself. Well, and I think the other, you know, going back to this, I'm not going to call it an o- the overreaction conversation, but just just the swinging too far one way or the other. I think, you know, a lot of people came out and said that Anthony Richardson had some sort of special performance or that he is a transformative yeah, you, you quarterback. Yeah, Utah pig bus. Um, a Utah booster, a huge fan. So take that with a grain of salt because I think anytime you hear a fan talk about a football team, you have to take that with a grain of salt. But he said that Anthony Richardson had a breakout transformative performance. No, he did not. He is an average-ass quarterback. He competes He completes at a very low percentage. Right around, I think last year he was 59. His career percentage actually bumped up in this game 
to 62% because I think he completed a 70% of his passes, but I don't think he even had 200 yards in this game. Mm -hmm. Like, this was not about Florida, and that's the thing I'm trying to, to drive home here. This had nothing to do with Florida. Right. The swamp didn't intimidate Utah. It wasn't too loud. It wasn't too humid. It wasn't too slippery. They didn't tackle. They looked like a team who didn't pop pads in camp. They looked like a team who, in my opinion, was not prepared to play the physical level of football that they needed to be prepared for to go to Florida and win. Mm -hmm. That's on Kyle Whittingham. That's on his defense not being ready to tackle. That's why they lost the game. Yeah. In my opinion. I completely agree. I, it's really well said. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think, and look, I, I understand there's a lot of hyperbole. I understand that anytime Utah does something bad, BYU jumps up. Anytime mm -hmm. BYU does something bad, Utah jumps up. Like, I understand the pot gets stirred. Yeah. To say this on the radio as a credible take mm -hmm. is mind-numbing. Yeah, and I, th and I, think I can't believe it. We talk a lot about how, you know, and again, just in the big picture, like, I feel like radio nowadays, or, or really what I'll, what I'll say is the spoken word format, if you will, spoken word sports conversations, um, you know, they're not, they're, they're just not well developed. They're not well thought out or well researched. There's not a game plan when people do their shows anymore. And I think that's why takes like this often happen. And, and hey, maybe, maybe it was, um, you know, a strategy. Maybe it was, hey, like, or like this is the take I'm going to roll out with because this will, you know, do whatever in the media. I don't know. We do see that a lot in today's sports cycle as well. Yeah. Like, you know, undisputed or a lot of these hot take shows that just come out with whatever take. Like it's well known that you know Skip Bayless hates LeBron, even if LeBron has some ridiculous performance in the postseason. You get what I mean. So that's why I say I just think that that yeah I disagree with this take. Um, and and I think that anybody who watches football is is not going to sit here and say that 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 Utah is a middle of the road SEC team. I think Utah is is Man. not it. Utah is not Alabama and Georgia, right? Utah is not those guys, but they're definitely better than Florida. I think that they would give a lot of SEC teams fits, man. I, I Absolutely. Like, I, I think they'd be a top five team in the SEC. Well, and I think the thing you know is Kyle Whittingham's going to get this cleaned up. I mean, there is there is no question about that. I, I still maintain that Kyle Whittingham's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. I think every single year in, every single year out, yeah. the guy is undervalued. And Utah is this shocking team who comes out of nowhere. It's not shocking anymore. They're not coming out of nowhere. Utah's one of the best football programs in the country. And I understand the rivalry again. Bless your hearts. But this is ridiculous. Yeah. At some point, you've got to own the fact that you were either not – you didn't watch the game because it, it – and my guess is that that's what happened here. Mm -hmm. My guess is, is that Ben didn't watch the game didn't see what happened, didn't see how it played out, and just bought into what the narrative was. Because, again, I think Ben Criddle knows football. I think Ben Criddle's a guy who's, who's again, played at BYU, obviously is a good analyst. Like It's surprising to me that Ben would, would say that Utah's a middle-of-the-road team. He like that, allegedly said what he said. Yeah, I can't believe that. Like yeah. I just can't believe that Ben Criddle would say that. And it is... It is shocking to me, but we'll see. Let's uh, let's get some of your thoughts in here. Roger Dodger. Roger Dodger. I love that name. Uh, says the field in Florida is literally a swamp. They they need to a little sand base. 
Uh, I've actually been on the field in Gainesville, and it's actually a grass field, believe it or not. Like, it's actually a... Right, there's, like, grass and, like out of the ground. Like, it's turf and stuff. Like, there's actually... Ble- Blades, Blades of grass you know. and stuff. I mean, there's crocodiles running around and stuff, and right. you're, you're playing underwater. Right. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually not a swamp. Uh, Richard McDonald, first one in this morning, says, how good is Utah? Not as good as BYU. Ooh. Well, we can say that because BYU beat Utah last year. But they're going to beat them this year. Utah's going to – oh, they're not playing. That's right. Uh, sorry for missing the live shows. Been busy keeping people – uh, people's packages moving. Ah, are you a UPS or a, a FedEx guy? Yeah, well, appreciate you, you Richard. For? Thank you, man. I know how. I know the hard. And I'm not even kidding about this. As hot as it has been in this country this summer, UPS, FedEx, and the the mailman have just taken a beating. Facts. I mean, it is. That's one of the most underappreciated jobs in the world. Yeah. Especially with how much we all rely on Amazon right now. Come on. Yeah, now. with them, my Jordan collection. Come yeah. on. Hello. Uh, Lopes Van Gabe says many of the people calling Utah mid now are probably the same ones who called Wit washed at the start of last season. How'd that all work out? Yay. Exactly right. Lopes you know? Van Gabe. Lopes Van Gabe coming to our event, by the way. Yes. Next, sa- it's a week from Saturday. A week from Saturday. Yeah, a week from Saturday, we will be watching uh, BYU in Oregon live at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. And again, we're giving away a trip that day to see BYU um, in the Shamrock Series, mm-hmm. taking on Notre Dame at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. You get two nights at the Palms Resort Hotel and Casino. You get two tickets to the game. You get a $250 gas card to get you there. And all you have to do is go to Barbecue Pit Stop, any of their five Utah locations, Layton, Lehigh, Logan, uh, Salt Lake City, Murray, and St. George. Um, All of them are great dudes. Go there, fill out. There's a box on the counter with our beautiful faces. Yes. One week left to do that. A week from today, we are picking those boxes up. Hey, guys. And then we're going to put all the winners' names or all the, the entrance names into a hopper and pull a winner. All you have to do, get to Barbecue Pit Stop today do not hesitate if you if you're not in in utah get online chat with them at uh, bbqpitstop.com the website's right there on the screen bbq pit stop with one t pit stop um bbqpitstop.com chat with them on their website um and then by the way go explore their smokers the yoders the traegers the big green eggs all of the rubs the spices i'm telling you the dichotomy which basically means there's a lot of different sauces there. It's That's amazing. Right, That's right, T. All the different, uh, all the different tools, yes. aprons, you name it. Barbecue pit stop is your place. And again, the one thing I want to say about barbecue pit stop because, and I, I would love to see how many people are are smokers versus charcoal briquettes. Yeah, briquettes. Don't do charcoal briquettes. It's so easy to work the smoker. It's so easy, and they're going to teach you how. And when you get the smoker home and you're like, hmm, I don't remember where to plug this thing in, you can call Barbecue Pit Stop and say, hey, man, I just bought that uh, Traeger Ironwood 885. How do I plug it in? (laughs) They're going to laugh at you, and then they're going to tell you how to plug it in because they give you tremendous customer service. Go see them. Fill out the slip. uh, Enter to win a trip for two to see BYU and Notre Dame in Las Vegas. That is just now less than a month away. Mm-hmm. That's how fast the football season goes. You're, you're going to blink, and you're going to be in Las Vegas watching BYU and, and Notre Dame. It's going to be unbelievable. But having said all of that now, what do you, I mean, what, what, is, what is a reasonable expectation for Utah this season? 
I mean, I, I still think they can be a, a a major bowl team. I still think that the, the Rose Bowl is still, you know, a possibility. I still think any major bowl is a possibility. Now, again, you know, you're going to have to have a special season now because you lost in week one. Like, you're going to have to run the special. table. Special. You are. Like, you're going to have to win out, bro. Like, you're going to have to go and do things that nobody else really is doing outside of, I don't know, Alabama and Georgia. You're going to have to be yep. that good. And I think that, to me, that's a special season. We get spoiled watching Alabama and Georgia be a one-loss team every year. But, uh, you know, I don't think that we should just take it for granted. I think if Utah were to do that, that's an impressive season, man. And and, that, and so, to me, I do think a bowl is still – like a, I'm not talking about some random bowl. I'm talking about a major, like, New Year's Six-style bowl where you're you're a big deal i still think that's a possibility for utah absolutely wow mike pressler says richard's not a ups or fedex or he's a fluffer moving packages uh uh wow okay okay uh roger dodger says florida will probably end up with a seven eight win with seven eight wins this year that's probably true yeah because I don't think Anthony Richardson's anything special. I don't. When it comes to elite quarterbacks, he's not a Caleb Williams caliber quarterback. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I don't think he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. I don't think Florida is an SEC championship medal team. They're not Georgia. They're certainly not. I mean, is is Florida Ole Miss? Mm. I don't know. Jackson Dart didn't look impressive. Ask By the way, did anybody see that? The best things in sliced bread, right? I mean, I think it's, well, it all, all depends on who you ask. I think that, yeah, I think in order to win SEC championships, national championships, to do the biggest and baddest things in college football, it's kind of the saying that you've always rolled out there, which is at some point your quarterback's going to have to stand in there and deliver the football, and that's Anthony Richardson's problem. You know, Anthony Richardson is a run-first guy, and while that worked in week one against Utah – that's not going to work to the uh, uh, point where you're going to be winning championships and doing things because That's defenses right. are too good, man. I don't know. Anthony Richardson or Jaden Daniels at LSU, the, the Arizona State transfer? Yeah, I mean. I think they're very similar quarterbacks. I, I mean, I think right now I'd be taking Anthony Richardson just because the guy is locked in and, and, and playing his best football for what that looks like for him, which I think absolutely matters. I think – you know, when when someone has a certain skill set, like if you're Anthony Richardson and you're run first quarterback, while that has its limitations and, and he is a 59% passer for the most part, you know, like at the same time when he's playing his best football, it is a chaotic thing to try to defend. Yeah. So that's why I say I think right now I'd be taking Anthony Richardson, but there's no telling what Jaden can do as far as his potential is concerned. I don't know. I look at Florida, and I am just not – I'm not excited about Florida. And I understand, look, they're the 12th team in the country, ranked ahead of Utah. But, I mean, it, would it surprise anybody if Florida loses to Kentucky this weekend? No. It would not surprise no. me. In any way, shape, or form, it would not surprise me. By the way, they don't even – they don't go on the road until the 24th of September uh, on Rocky Top at Tennessee. Like, I mean, Florida – Florida, for, for my money, Florida is a good, not a great team. I think Utah is a great team. I think Utah has every opportunity on October 8th to beat USC. And again, I will just say, it's Lincoln Riley. You don't expect great defensive teams out of Lincoln Riley. Mm -hmm. I mean, even at Oklahoma, you go back and you look at Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley was not a guy that was somebody who um, routinely had these unbelievable, unbeatable defenses at Oklahoma. He didn't. He did not, and they were better at the end of his tenure. I, I'll give you that. Right. But 
you look at who Lincoln Riley's been as a head coach, Lincoln Riley has been a juggernaut of an offensive guy. Guess what he's got at USC? Totally. A juggernaut of an offensive team. Guess what he's got at USC? A pretty, you know, damn average-ass defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Utah's going to beat USC. I, I just think that we know who USC is, and I think right now we know who Utah is. Well, Utah know, is, is, is a very good team. Your point about Lincoln there I think is spot on. I mean, if you think about his time in Oklahoma, we weren't talking about elite defenses at Oklahoma. No. We were talking about, you know, the Kyler Murrays of the world lighting the world on fire and winning Heismans and, and doing all that. So I think it's – I think – look, I think when we talk about Utah, this USC matchup later in the year when USC comes to Salt Lake is, is by far – in my opinion, the game of the year for Utah. I think that game has potential to be, you know, premier SEC caliber style football where you're, you know, when you get out, like Alabama-Texas, as an example, is a really nice matchup. You know, Alabama versus whoever that opponent is, that's a really good opponent and makes it a game. I'm saying that that Utah-USC game has potential to be that, And, and mainly because you have two Titans going against each other. And that's why I say this week, you know, I have to see what USC's defense can do because, like you were just saying, we know that they're not some amazing defense. But yeah. what does that actually look like? How does that actually play out on the field? Do we, you know, can USC stop the run effectively, or are they going to have trouble with that? Can USC play man coverage, or can you can you run the football and 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 be more effective moving the football down the field to force them to play a zone? I, that's what I want to see, you know, and kind of learn about USC's defense. But I, I I'm just so excited for this USC, Utah, and and hopefully Oregon bounces back on some level. Obviously, that was incredibly disappointing. But those three teams really should be able to make the pack at least somewhat exciting this year. Yeah, all I know is when you look at Caleb Williams, Austin Jones, um, you know, you start looking at Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison, I, I think, played fewer snaps than Caleb Williams, obviously, a mm-hmm. quarterback. Neither one of them played very much in the second half. Um, I mean, when you're putting up 66 points and Jordan Addison doesn't have to play a big role in that, now he had two touchdowns, don't get me wrong. I mean, SC was cruising. It was flipping Rice, right? But you still gave up 14 points to Rice. Yeah. Like, who are we kidding? And I, I look at a lot of the, the that defense – I think that's going to be that's going to be the big question um, about who their breakout star is. Shane Lee can't make every play for USC, right? And until they figure out that that you're going to have to find out, um, you know, Zamarian Gordon's a guy that's going to have to have a much bigger role on that team. Um, it, you know, it, it's going to be guys like that that USC's got to have. But we already know who that is. The biggest question about Utah is. Are the linebackers going to be more consistent? The secondary is going to eat on on the Utah defense. There's no doubt about totally. that, right? Yeah. Secondary is going to eat. The question's going to be now, and I think until the they they are proven otherwise, can these linebackers step up and and can Mahmoud Daibate step up and be a down in down out dominating linebacker with with all of the speed that we know he has. All of the powers playing assignment sound football. Yeah. Because this team, I'm telling you now, if this team's going to continue to do, if Utah football is going to continue to do what they did in the swamp on Saturday, which is miss tackles and not set an edge, they're going to get rolled by right. USC. Because right. USC is fast. USC on offense is fast. They can run the ball. Caleb Williams is probably going to be in contention. He'll be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I don't think any of us doubt that. But I'm telling you now, 
to call Utah a middle-of-the-road SEC team is a slap in the face, and it means you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it, it is – it just is – it was shocking, shocking to see that yesterday. Totally. Uh, all right, let's get some opinions in here. Uh, Jansen says, my unpopular opinion – Utah is definitely good enough to win the Pac-12, but they aren't a top ten team, maybe even top twelve. If you win the Pac-12, you're one of the, you're you're one of the five best teams in the country, in my opinion. And right now, today, if you look at and, and I, I, obviously we don't put a whole lot into preseason polls um, because I just think when you look at the rankings right now, um, I mean, it, what what does it really mean? How is Georgia the reigning national champion? They're undefeated. They look dominant doing it. They're number two in the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I think all of our eyes tell us that Alabama's the best team in the country. But right now, if it were me, it'd be Alabama one, Georgia number two. I'd probably, and I say probably, I would probably have Clemson. Clemson or Ohio State three. Let's go Ohio State three, Clemson mm -hmm. four, Michigan five. Those would be my top five teams. Utah can beat everybody but Alabama on that list because I think I just think Alabama is the best team in the country, and it's not close. Their def this this might be Nick Saban's best defense ever. Will Anderson again? Remember, I'm saying this on September 8th. Will Anderson's the best college football player in the country right now. Mm -hmm. He's a he's a linebacker. He's a pass rusher. Who are yeah. we kidding? Yeah, he's a defensive end. Will Anderson's the best college football player in the country, and you're going to see it against Texas, who. I want to say is starting a sophomore at tackle, a freshman or a sophomore. Mm -hmm. Good luck, because yeah. that cat is going to dominate, and he's routinely doubled and tripled. So he's still getting his. Yeah, but I look at all those other teams. Utah's better than Oklahoma. Utah's better than Texas A&M, right? I mean, you want to talk about a mid-table SEC team? Isn't Texas A&M right now a mid-table SEC team? Yeah, that's a good example of someone who's just kind of in the middle doing their thing, right? I, I, that, that, yeah. that we don't know. Yeah, we don't know what what Texas A and M is, but I I look at Notre Dame. Utah's better than Notre Dame, and I'm a Notre Dame fan. Utah's better than Notre Dame. Um, I look at Baylor, SC, Oklahoma State, Florida, uh, Michigan State. My, I think Miami. Like none of these teams. When you say them, I'm like, yeah, Utah's going to get ruled Oof. by that team. I'm, I'm not. Utah like, can't I, beat Arkansas. Like I just I just don't look at Come it on. or feel that way. Like I, I do Come think on. that when you get to you know, upper echelon SEC team, like top five SEC team, these little, th this this whole thing where Utah just came out and didn't tackle is concerning because you don't tackle against, let's say, Georgia, you're going to lose by 50 points. You know what I mean? Like, that's how good they are. So, to me, I, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think it's... Part of me is like, hey, this is some this is some bias because you know, obviously, uh, of of that particular outlet. But also, yeah, I do tend to agree. Like, I just don't know how in your right mind you say that if you watch the game and and you were in that field and you understand the minutia and sort of how that game played out because Utah was controlling the game. Like, let's not forget how this game yeah. went. Utah drives down the field, scores a touchdown, seven nothing lead. Next possession, they get a takeaway, they get stalled, they kick a field goal, I believe it was. So now I think it was 10. You know, like you had you had good control of this game in the first half. You just like y Utah got the wrapping paper out, got the box out, put the game in the box, wrapped it up, and gave it to Anthony Richardson. That's what they did. And it's very frustrating to to watch it play out because you're we're literally sitting there like, yeah, man. 
If they would have made, if they if they'd have tackled him at first contact, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, we'd be having a different conversation. All right, Gabe Rasmussen says, "My eyes tell me Georgia is way better than Alabama." Okay, I like Stetson Bennett. I like that defense. Nick Saban is legitimately. I mean, he's or at every position. This is Coach Saban. He, he's three deep at starting level talent and every defensive position, three deep, every single one of them. Again, his defensive end is the best player in college football. And this doesn't, it, this doesn't even talk about the depth and diversity that we're seeing out of his offense over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Out of the last two years. Mm-hmm. George is a very good football team. I think that Alabama head-to-head with Georgia is a better football team. I think Alabama is a deeper football team. I think they're more well-coached. I think they have a better quarterback. I think they have their wide receiver. Like, defensively, and it's crazy to say it out loud, defensively, I actually think Alabama is twice as deep as Georgia. I mean, they're, they're – they're, Notice he said twice as deep, not twice as good. Yeah. I mean, the depth that Alabama has on defense, I, I, it, it's insanity. It's absolutely insanity. Mid-Florida Academy says, no way Utah beats Texas A&M. This is the thing I don't understand about Texas A&M. Somebody needs to help me with this. This is a guy in Jimbo who has (laughs) routinely for the last decade recruited top talent. Show me the top talent that he's developed. My word. Show me the four and five star guys that he's developed that have become superstars in, in, at, the, at Florida State or at A&M and have gone on to the NFL just repeatedly over and over again. He um, routinely sits at the top of recruiting tables or near, and he's not a developer of talent. Yeah. So it's all well and good. And by the way, he's got a cupcake schedule. I think, and I'll look up their schedule, I think they don't go on the road until October at Starkville. What? Sam Houston, they beat thir- they. And this is the other thing. With all due respect, he right. It's Sam Houston, right? You only put thirty-one on Sam Houston. That's right, T. Okay, well, you know well, what? How many does Sam Houston have? You know what? The field was slippery. Their uniforms were slippery. You Did know, they shut them out. They shut them out. Okay, so good defensive performance, but Appy State this weekend. Mm-hmm. They play Appalachian State this weekend. Right. Then they're home for Miami, and then they're home for Arkansas. And then they're on the road at Starkville. And, oh, by the way, October 8th, one of the biggest weekends in college football, Alabama hosts Texas A&M. And then by that point, we're going to know. You're either going to be right or you're going to be wrong. I'm telling you now, Texas A&M is not an elite football team. Mm -hmm. Until he proves, Jimbo, that he can can recruit and develop talent. Mm -hmm. Because Nick Saban's greatness isn't that he – just, well, he out-recruits everybody. Well, he does. But he develops. He takes three-star guys, and he makes them starters, and he makes them high draft picks in the NFL. And with all due respect. And there's a chance that not the top two, the top three spots in the NFL draft will be Alabama Crimson Tide alum. Mm-hmm. Not one or two. All three of the top three picks in the NFL draft could be Alabama Crimson Tide. Are you kidding me? Alabama's deep, they're better, they're more well-coached, and Jimbo Fisher's a fraud. Mm-hmm. And until he wins, and not one, multiple SEC championships, this is and, Coach and until he stops trying to compete with, 
because he doesn't look at himself as Nick Saban. He looks at himself as as a dog chasing Nick Saban's bone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what this is. Right. Nick Saban's the best coach in the SEC. Did anybody notice what happened to, to Dabo Swinney? Good old Dabo. Hey, good old Dabo. Hey, Dabo. Dabo got a contract extension yesterday. Come on, man. Anybody notice that he's not getting more money than Nick Saban? He's at 10.5. Nick's at 10.7. Nick Saban's the best coach in college football. Not only does he win everything, Mm -hmm. but he recruits well. He does it the right way. He holds kids accountable. He takes three stars and turns them into first-round NFL draft picks. He does media availability and gets in Jimbo's head constantly. His drops are amazing. This is Coach Saban. Come on now. Come on now. And with all due respect to to Texas A&M, because I think they've earned respect. I think I think Jimbo is a good college football builder. He's not the guy you hire if you want to win championships. That's he's, right, T. He's not. Tell me I'm wrong. He's not. He is not. Uh, Mike Pressler says Utah better than A&M. Today, right now, they are. Because remember, Jimbo Fisher has the best recruiting class in the country right now. This is what we do in sports. This right is here. what this we is, do. This is what I'm talking about. So everyone says, oh, well, it's, it's, it's A&M. How, there's no way that Utah is better than A&M. Well, you're going off of what? You're going off of reputation. You're going off of what you think you know about A&M. Instead, you should go off of the football field. And what I'm telling you is this Florida game, and go back and watch it. If you didn't watch the Utah-Florida game, don't have this conversation. Go watch it, then have the conversation. Try and tell me I was that laying, Utah but, didn't execute. But, Jake, I was laying in bed naked last night, sweating through the sheets with humidity here in, in Hawaii. Right. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, I all the— I sleep last night. I'm fried. Yeah, all the things I could be watching on my phone. Right. So I decided to rewatch the Florida-Utah game. Oh, he's straight pile driving, though. And let me tell you, I was aroused. I was not, actually. It was terrible football, to be honest. Why don't you illuminate me? Um, it was terrible football. But just going back and watching large parts of that game last yes. night, the thing you realize is just in the first three drives alone, yes. Utah Utah blew at least six assignments. They should have been off the field. There were several times where it should have been three and out, kick the football to Utah. Like That's if, what it should have if been. If they played, if Utah had played in the first half, if Utah had played just basic assignment football, there's at least one pick six in there. Donnie, there's at please. there's at least three sacks they missed. Yes, I mean Van Filiger alone. I mean he must have he must have he must have missed three sacks in the first. Here's when a conversation gets difficult. I, I I I know, and I see all the Florida folks. Hey, cool, Woo, Gator Chop, nice job. You're half the football team that Utah is. With all due respect. Hate to break it to you, and I know that Ben Criddle's probably rolling over in his studio somewhere in Utah County. Me outside. How about that? But I'm telling you right now, Utah's twice the team that Florida is. And if they played this week instead of last week, they're not. It doesn't matter. Utah lost the game. Right. If they played this week instead of last week, I'm telling you, Florida went, Florida loses that game by 17 points. You know, because Anthony 17. Richardson, by 17, Anthony Richardson is not special. He is not unique. His best ability is running the football. And if the Utes had stayed assignment sound and tackled, if they had made half the tackles they missed, mm-hmm. just take all the missed tackles, make half of them, which they routinely do. This is one of the best tackle football programs in the country. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and when you look at Morgan Scally and you look at Kyle Whittingham, there are probably not two, maybe three better defensive minds in college football than those two bros. And their defense, their defense just didn't execute. Thanks. I don't know how you explain that because usually this is a team that's ready to play. And we can sit here and we can go round and round. My opinion is Utah's twice the team that Florida is. You could be right. I'm probably wrong. You know I'm better looking, and that's probably why you're bitter. I like get for it. Instance. I get it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Roger Dodger says Georgia is closer, better than Bama. Georgia embarrassed Oregon. Or okay. Do we rip Oregon or do we talk about Georgia? Um, Let's rip Oregon. Yeah, that's more fun. Um, Oregon is not deep. Oregon is poorly coached. Oregon is not talented. Oregon has a bunch of track guys trying to play football. Y'all feel me? They're not a football team right now. You have a new coach that's inexperienced as a head, as a head coach. I almost said head guy. Um. Uh, he is inexperienced <laughs> as a head coach. And listen, I understand. People think oh, this is perception versus reality. Oh, Oregon's good. Oregon's good. Oregon's not good. Oregon's not good. I fully expect BYU to be favored going up to Autzen Stadium. Honest to goodness, in two we weeks, clear on that? I expect him to be favored. Uh, Jimmy Touchdown oh, this gives us be good. $5. This should be good. Cam Rising, nah, more like Cam flushing the game down the toilet. So Cam Rising's the reason they <laughs> lost that game? Bro. This is crazy talk. See, this is this is crazy again, talk. And again, I, you know, uh, what's his name? Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy I don't want you to think I'm hating on you, man. But, but to say that Cam Rising is the reason they lost the game, you, you, you you're just not. You're, no, no, you're no. Excuse me. Excuse level, me, bro. To pay five dollars to say that yeah, like, that Cam Rising's the reason they lost the game is is crazy. I, I, it's just so clear that that's not what happened. Uh, Mike Pressler says Anthony Richardson is Cam 2.0. No, he's not. Well, I mean, they're obviously stylistically they're they're similar. Cam's just a superior thrower. Than I, football. I disagree that I they're mean, similar. I well, they both run, they both run. Yeah, but I mean, Anthony they're both Richardson prolific is runners. Run first. Cam Rising is not a prolific runner. He's proficient at running. He is more of a pass first guy with the ability to run when he needs to. The, where, yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Where Anthony Richardson <laughs> is a run first guy who passes because it's required. What's the rule about quarterbacks on this show? I don't know. What's the rule? At some point, you're going to have to yeah. stand in the pocket and deliver the football. Anthony Richardson is a sub-60% passer. 59% last year. It's a sub-60% passer. He's not standing in the pocket delivering the football to win a game. Cam Rising is a guy that if you give him the football and you say, I need you to make a throw to win a game, he's like, all right, coach, let's go do this. Yeah. And he's going to stand in the pocket, read the defense, throw the ball, and they're going to win the game. Totally. I, I would take Cam Rising over Anthony Richardson every single day. Uh, Kyle J gives us four ninety nine. Said good morning to all the mouth breathing BYU fans in this chat. Okay, so wait, do Utah fans not breathe through their mouth? Like you don't use your mouth to breathe at all. I, I mean, I do. Wow. I use like I'm a full functioning human, so I use my nose and my mouth. Really? I, I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I don't know if you know. Wow. That. You know, uh, Mike Pressler says, put it, put money on it. Anthony Richardson is Cam 2.0. What does that mean? How do you put a bet on that? How do you, do you, you know, Roger Dodger makes a good point. Do you mean Cam Newton 2.0? Yeah, dude. Come on, bro. <laughs> Let's Come on, go. Bro. Like uh, Mike Pressler uh, 
continues and says, Anthony Richardson will play on Sundays while Cam sells insurance. A, I actually think you're right. Anthony Richardson will get a chance to play on Sundays. He's athletic. Backup. He's athletic. He can run. He they, People love his arm. But at some point, you get exposed. You Anthony, get exposed. Listen to me. Listen to me. Anthony Richardson is not is not a Lamar Jackson caliber talent. No, he's Hear not. Hear me clearly. Lamar Jackson has a very similar skill set to Anthony Richardson. The difference is, is Lamar Jackson has make you miss and and game breaking ability. Where Anthony Richardson can do that at the college level, clearly. He can't do that at the NFL level. I I just firmly believe that. And look, I, I'm not I, I, for some reason this has turned into the hate on Anthony Richardson segment, I guess. But I just don't think that the guy is is capable of being a a face of a franchise type guy. Look at Justin Fields, man. Look at him. Like the guy was great in college. You get Stud. to the pro level and things change. There are a lot of factors at play. It's not good enough just to be a better athlete anymore because you're not. At, dude, at the NFL level, those are the best athletes in the world, man. You're not just going to run away from those guys. Nope. Totally agree with you on that. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, big shout out to our new sponsors at Triday Trading. Great partners on the show. Love having the guys at Triday Trading on board. Um, I know that a lot of us in our, in our sports demos play the stock market. We love to day trade. Um, you know, quick hold, sell it, profit, loss. We love it. We love the equation. We love the risk. Learn how to do it at a big time level because so many of us look at Jake and I. We left our yes. we left our nine to five grind. So many of us are looking for ways out of our nine to five. The answer is Triday Trading. Tridaytrading.com. Um, when you are ready to get into you know, day trading on the stock market. When you are ready to get into trading foreign currency, go to TridayTrading.com and register because you know what they do? They give you a free webinar that's no obligation. And it's so easy. You go, you fill out the form, they give you access, you watch the webinar and you make a decision. Hey, yeah, this sounds like something for me. No, it doesn't. Okay, hey, thanks for watching. We're out. It's that simple. And the best part is when you go to Triday Trading, you can trade with their money. You're risking none of your own money. When you go through their program, you trade their money, and when you make money with their money, you get half of it. You split it with them. It's a fantastic, no risk, no obligation thing, and all you have to do is go register to watch their webinar right now at trydaytrading.com. I'm super stoked to have them on board because I love the stock market. It's some, the competition of yes. it. Like during Dogecoin to the moon, I'm taking Doge to the moon. We had so much fun with that. Mm -hmm. Like making money on AMC. Lost a little bit for a little while on GameStop. Eventually broke even. But if I had the knowledge and the expertise with the guys at Triday Trading, I'd have made far more money. And talking to Ryan, who's the owner, number one, Ryan's a local business owner, which is huge to us on this show. Um, they're based in Lehigh. They've been in this game for over a decade. Um, they opened their doors in 2008. I mean, it, it's it's just everything you want in the American dream. That's what Triday Trading's built on, and they want to help you get there. So if you've been looking for that side hustle, if you've been saying, hey, I've tried Amazon, I've tried all this other stuff, don't try things. Understand that knowledge is power. That's how you make money. That's what you get from Triday Trading. And the other thing, not to belabor the point here, but one of the cool things is when you go to Triday Trading, they're going to put you, they're going to put you through a, uh, a six-week course that's going to teach you how to day trade, right? The fundamentals. 
And then they're not just kicking you to the curb and you're never going to talk to them again. They have elite level coaching and support. And at the end of that, you learn to trade, you learn to day trade at TridayTrading.com with their money. That's the best part of it. They're coaching you, helping you with their money. So let's say you lose everything. Well, you lost nothing because you were trading with Triday Trading's cash mm -hmm. anyways. It's a great program. Go check it out, TridayTrading.com. I'm super excited to have yeah, them on and, the show. And I think the thing that, that you know needs to be said about the trade with their money thing is it's a it, to me it's a good faith step. They're basically saying, hey, we believe in the course so, so much that we're willing to just give you – a portion of our money or whatever and you can go and trade with it based on the tools and strategies we've given you and the cool thing is and, and again go to the website they have a, a ton of video testimonials people literally telling their story about how hey i was working this nine to five i'm a dad of three or a mom of four whatever the case may be everyone's situation is different but i have a family to feed basically and i wanted more time with my kids or i wanted this or i wanted that and basically, whatever I wanted meant I needed to make more money. I needed to up my income. So so learning the course, learning the fundamentals, learning yeah. how to day trade allowed me to do that. And that's, again, I want to keep emphasizing this, why we decided to partner with Triday Trading, because it is a bridge to that freedom. And that's why it's so exciting to me. TridayTrading.com, our newest uh, partner on the show. We appreciate them. Coming up in two minutes, football at 50. But I want to get a couple of more comments in here uh, because I love this particular discussion right here. Ed wins. Are football players the best athletes in the world? That's an interesting debate. I actually think NBA players are the best professional athlete. Now, I'm not including track. I'm not including rugby because I think rugby is the, the shape you have to be in in rugby is different. MMA, mixed martial arts, jujitsu, totally different thing. Mainstream professional sports, I think it's down to two. It's either professional hockey players or basketball players. And I think the ability to play in the NBA, one, you just have to be a next level athlete. But the ability to play in the NBA and not blow your knee out the first time you dribble, it, it I mean, it's so hard on your body. Mm-hmm. To do it at the level that guys like Jordan or Kobe or LeBron or KD that do it at that level, to me, I, 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 it's so close. I think I take NBA players. I think the thing that that really separates the the sports in this conversation is pace of play. So, you know, like let's look at baseball for a moment. Like baseball, you could make a case that these are some of the best athletes in the world, right? Trying to hit a round ball with a round bat is one of the most is in my opinion the most difficult thing to do in sports bar none. I think it's just incredibly difficult the way they have yeah. to do it. Now that said, you don't have to play at a very fast pace in baseball. There's a lot it's a very slow game as we've talked about yes. for years. So when I look at best athletes in the world, I'm not just looking at physically. I'm looking at mentally. I'm looking at emotionally. So yeah, I do agree. I think you have to go NHL or NBA because of how quick the game is and how fast you have to make decisions. The motor. Yes, the motor. it doesn't stop. Woo, being around hockey for a lot of my life, man, like having played when I was younger, like it just it the beating that your body takes. One of the things I always tell people is what you don't understand about hockey is the pain of missing a check. Like when you are when you are a, a a professional hockey player and you're going to hit a guy and you miss, oh the pain is 
because you're slamming yourself full speed into a board. By the way, when you hit, it hurts. You're slamming yourself full speed into another human, mm -hmm. a la professional football. Mm -hmm. But when you miss, and then the other thing you got to consider is that it's a car wreck 50, 60, 70 times a game. Mm -hmm. The collisions, if you just watch the collisions in hockey, they're, I mean, they're catastrophic. Yeah, I can't I think, even. I, look, I think that, that one thing that never gets talked about is pain in, in all sports. Like football, yeah. the, the football, yes. hockey, like obviously the NBA, but like, I just think the, the, when I look at sports and I try to decide, okay, who are the best athletes? Okay, mentally speaking, your ability to tolerate pain and still make the correct decision at the right time. Yes. Because I don't I hockey players don't need to make the right decision ten minutes from now. You like when you're a defenseman and you're skating back and you gotta get that puck after they shot it down, you not only have to know where the guy chasing you is, you gotta know where the puck is and you gotta know where your teammate is and you gotta worry about the fact that you have a sprained ankle because dude shot the puck into your skate at like a hundred miles an hour. There's so much happening. So that's why I say I think hockey, that is the best athlete in the world from, like, you know, when you take the total package. But there are a lot of difficult things to do in sports, man. One of the most not difficult things to do is football at 50 every hour, 10 to the hour, right here on the Monty Show. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I don't get any brownie yes, points for the – that was that was great. Are you kidding I mean, me? I don't have – you know, we got to make some music, and we got some things to do when we get home, but, you know, that was pretty good. All right. I think one of the biggest stories in sports today is this Dabo Sweeney contract extension. Mm -hmm. This is a massive extension uh, for the Dab Master at Excuse me, Clemson. the Dab Master? The Dab Master. Dabo. Hey, guys. The Dabberific one. Okay. The Dabster. Dab Swintastic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dabo Sweeney gets a huge contract extension just short of Nick Saban's average annual value. He agrees to a 10-year, $115 million extension with Clemson. Let's have it out right now. Best college football coach in the country. I don't uh, think there's any close. doubt, right? Not like even it, close. It's everybody. I mean, there cannot be disagreement about this. It, it's Nick Saban and it ain't, and it ain't close. Coach Saban. With all due respect to our Texas A&M contingent this morning, it's Coach Saban. This is Coach. Saban. I think it. I think it has to be Nick Saban. But where is Dabo Sweeney on that list? And furthermore, some of the other guys that I look at in this conversation, like how many guys are overvalued? Dabo Sweeney. It was interesting to me. Did anybody see Ed Ogeron at the Arkansas Touchdown Club the mm. other day? So Ed O is a guy that so many people were boned over. Oh, you got it. I can't believe USC fired him. And then he goes to LSU and go Tigers. Go Tigers. And coach, coach wins. And then they never are heard from again, right? Like, LSU was terrible. Um, Allegedly, his girlfriend and her kids are at practice and all this crazy stuff. So, they fire him, right? Right. Fast forward, Arkansas Touchdown Club the other day. Edo's sitting there telling a story, and he's like, well, we win the national championship and everything's great. And then they come into office, and we're losing. And they're like, coach, things aren't going so good. And he's like, yeah. Things aren't going so good. And then they're like, hey, coach, we're going to have to go in another direction. Oh. But we know we owe you like $60 million. And I want you to know you're getting every penny of your $60 million. <laughs> and then Ed Ogeron drops a gem. Go Tigers. 
He's like, the only question I had is which door do you want me to leave through and how fast do you want me to leave? Like, homie knew it was over. He knew he was getting fired. He was excited to get fired. And they handed him his, his severance and he left without an argument. But he's one of the most overrated coaches in the history of college football, right? So when I look at some of the best teams, like Jimbo Fisher's an interesting argument yeah. here. Yes. Is yes. Jimbo Fisher overrated as a head coach? Uh, I think he absolutely is. I don't know, man. Overrated. He's done some nice things, you know, but I I don't think he's – I mean, I guess it depends who you ask. I mean, certainly I'm not going to sit here and say that Jimbo's like one of the best ever or anything. I think Jimbo's had a good career. There's no doubt about it. But I think when we're talking about value, like I I think value is in terms of commitment and your AAV. So, you know, when I look at – Your AAV. Like when I look at Dabo and it's 10.5 and and Nick's at 10.7 – you know, I think you got to be right in there to at least even be in the conversation. Then I look at the landscape in college football, like Kyle Whittingham, right? Like, what, what, where does he stack up? What about Kalani? Yeah, I think Kalani's got to be there too. I, I, I see. But here's the thing: I think the tough part is for Kalani. Like, that's a good example. Kalani's in such an interesting position at BYU and as an independent currently that I think a lot of people hesitate to put him in that conversation just on merit alone. But for me, I think if you – look, I think what has to happen for Kalani to be in this conversation, frankly, is you got to go into the Big 12 and you got to win the conference year one. If you can flex and you can go out and win the Big 12 year one, that is a major feather in your cap, like right out the gate. Lincoln Riley. Overrated, underrated, right where he should be? Um, I think he's right where he should be because I don't think anyone's sitting here saying that Lincoln Riley is like the best thing since sliced bread, but I think we know what Lincoln can do. Which top is, 10? Uh, yeah, definitely top 10. Yeah, no doubt okay. about it. I think probably top 8. Um, Brian Kelly. Overrated. Overrated. Not a winner. Luke Fickle, Cincinnati. Probably overrated. He's I mean, he put him in the playoff. Season. Yeah, I mean, he put him in the playoff. That's what I'm saying. You, you had one big season, but I, I don't think that that means that you're crazy good or anything. On to Cincinnati. Ryan Day at Ohio State. Um, On point. I on think, point. I think that yes. Ryan Day has really done some nice things. I think because the Ohio State program has gone through so much before Ryan Day took over with all the urban stuff and everything that happened there, I think the first couple of seasons in Ryan Day's tenure was just, was just you know, clean up essentially and now it's really his program now and he can he can take it places which he has clearly so now here's the question yeah. because i think i think in college football mm-hmm. it's nick saban number one ryan day number three it's kirby smart bro kirby smart number two it's gotta be wow look at you it's gotta be Re- we did not talk about that yeah. before the show look at you reading my mind i think kirby smart's number two yeah i think nick saban by far the best coach in the country i think kirby smart's number two and I think Ryan Day replacing a guy like Urban Meyer is not easy. He did it without missing a beat. I think Ryan Day is absolutely the third best coach. And the last thing I want to say really quick is that for anybody to take over this mantle from Nick Saban, Ooh. they first have to do what he's done, in my opinion, because he's still doing it. He still is number one in the country. He still is dominating the college football landscape. So I just wanted to make that point to kind of emphasize just how far ahead of the pack I feel um, Coach Saban is. You know, I think it is – I don't know what you – man, that's such a good point. He's clear – Saban's clearly the best coach ever. I, coach I don't Saban. think there's any doubt. Yeah. Okay, so now let's let's get into some people's souls. Right. 
Kyle Whittingham or Kalani Sataki? I, I, I think it's clear why you would take one over the other. Mm-mm-mm. And I think I'd take Kalani over Witt for one reason. What do you think I'm going to say? I don't know. Age. I think Kalani yeah. Sataki is younger. I think Kalani Sataki is going into an era and a generation of college football that is unproven, uncharted, untested. You don't know what that's going to look like. So when you look at Kyle Whittingham versus Kalani Sataki, I think you have to take Kalani Sataki. If you were hiring that coach today, I think you have to take Kalani Sataki because he's younger. So if you're hiring today, I agree, Kalani. I think from a career standpoint, obviously, oh, again, it's going to be age. Wit. It's going it, to be it's going to be wit. wit. Now yeah. again, the huge asterisk caveat, double underline is age, right? Like Wit's had, you know, ton a ton more time to do what he's done, but I think. I do think it speaks volumes about Kalani that he had the courage and the wherewithal not only to go to BYU, right, after all the time they spent together, but then also with this whole contract renewal situation, what was that, two seasons ago, I think it was, or yep. before last season, whatever it was, like to to understand how to leverage other schools and to do the things that he did to make sure that he secured that spot. I think that was great because I truly believe Kalani is the best guy for the job at BYU. I can't even think of another guy I'd rather have for that specific position. Yep, don't disagree. Football at 50, 10 in the hour, every hour. The biggest stories in football presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. No one goes all in on made-from-scratch freshness like Papa Murphy's. Because when you go all in, people notice. Go all in with the Triple Pep Pizza for just $11.99. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. Darn right, Papa Murphy's Pizza. Put it on the smoker. Again, see the synergy? It's all synergy, friends, here on the Monty Show. Get the get the Traeger smoker. Take the Papa Murphy's Pizza. Build that thing. Barbecue sauce is a must on pizza. Barbecue sauce instead of red sauce. Put it on the pizza. Put it in the smoker. Boom, you're done. Make sure yeah, you I get know what time it is. absolutely make sure you get the, that chocolate chip cookie dough. Take it home. Make the chocolate chip cookies. The s'mores. How come everybody people? I just say s'mores. Right. People are like s'mores. There was a big debate on Twitter yesterday that I saw about the proper pronunciation of s'mores. It's s'mores, dude. How do we mess this up? It's s'mores, and you can get those two at Papa Murphy's. Download the app, Papa Murphy's uh, easy-to-use to order app. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get yourself $25 off a purchase of $25 or more. Our number two of the Monty Show kicking off right now, presented by the Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com, the best injuries attor- injury attorneys in Utah and really in this country is Utah Advocates, Utah Advocates. When you've been in Iraq or you've been in an accident and you need representation, call the advocates because that's exactly what they are for you. They are advocates. They're going to fight for you so that you can rest up, you can heal, you can get back to the best version of yourself. And the best part about working with the advocates, there's no out-of-pocket cost. You get a free consultation. There is no upfront cost because you don't pay unless and until the advocates win your case at utahadvocates.com. The biggest stories in sports this morning. I don't think there's any doubt. One of the biggest stories is all of the the big games this weekend. We're going to have locks coming up for you, including BYU and Baylor. We are going to pick Texas uh, host Alabama. Well, no, we're going to pick how much they're going to lose by. Damn right. Obviously. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> and we are going to take USC and Stanford. We'll bring you those three locks. And, of course, we will have the L.A. Rams and the Buffalo Bills kicking off the 2022-23 NFL season. So excited. Tonight at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Shocker, though. In that game, one thing to realize is Adam Schefter, ESPN. Adam Schefter broke the news that uh, Matthew Stafford indeed had a procedure done on his elbow because he had an awkward, odd injury for a quarterback in that throwing elbow. You know he had had trouble in the preseason. How will that you know, impact the way you look at the line? Because it is a little bit shocking to me that the Buffalo Bills are minus two and a half going into SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles to take on the Rams tonight on Thursday Night Football to kick off the season. We'll have a lock free on that one. And, of course, we're going to pick Meyer and we, the Chicago Bears. Again, how much are going to lose by? Yeah, thank you, Trey Lance, you jerk. You weren't expecting this one. Yeah, seriously. Wait, what? The DA says, please stop with the Ed impression. What? I think my Ed Ogeron. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. You don't like my Edo impression? Sorry, dude. That's a good Edo impression. Come that's on. Funny, bro. That's funny, bro. Come on. Uh, all right. A couple of things I want to get to here because I think this is actually a really important story um, in the grand scheme of things. And it is this Doug Gottlieb story. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think is so interesting about this story uh, with Doug Gottlieb, and if you don't know the story, let me tell it to you. So Doug Gottlieb is a radio host. Whether he's a good one or a bad one, that's up to you. Freddie Freeman, the now L.A. Dodger first baseman who's having a tremendous season in his first year in L.A. Freddie Freeman wins the World Series with the Atlanta Braves. And it was a little surprising to a lot of people that Freddie Freeman was not going back to Atlanta. And there was a big story that Casey Close, one of the best agents in all of professional sports, a powerhouse agent in baseball. He represents Freddie Freeman. There's this thing going around that Casey Close wasn't taking the Braves' last best offer to Freddie Freeman and saying, hey, Freddie, here's the last offer from the Braves. What do you think? The word was from Doug Gottlieb, who reported his fact never took the final offer back to Freddie Freeman and thus Freddie Freeman wound up signing with the LA Dodgers bro what are you talking about man? huge story big breaking news Doug Gottlieb had the exclusive well it turns out that's not exactly what happened Doug Gottlieb allegedly allegedly because I don't think any of us have a real good idea what happened he allegedly said what he said well, what he allegedly said turned out to cost him, I would guess, some money and in court because Doug, Doug Gottlieb got sued by Casey Close and the agency that represents Casey Close or that he, you know, really founded, um, he got sued. And yesterday he released an apology. Doug Gottlieb admits he made a false claim about Freddie Freeman's contract talks with the Atlanta Braves. Apologize to that man. Which he did yesterday as part of this court case. Doug Gottlieb said, quote, upon further vetting of my sources, a review of the lawsuit filed against me in this matter and a direct conversation with Casey Close himself, I have learned that the conduct I allege 
her. And here's the critical line. Quote, there is no credible basis for stating that it did. End quote. Uh... My ultimate investigation into this matter confirms that Casey Close did, in fact, communicate all offers to Freddie Freeman, and the sources I relied on were incorrect and in, in no uncertain terms. You are fake. I appreciate the damage that the misinformation like this can cause and have been in touch with Casey Close to apologize directly. I have also deleted my original tweet. End quote. Doug Gottlieb, radio host, admitting that he essentially had no evidence or proof. Mm. Made a false claim. He admitted. So wait. He made a false claim about Freddie Freeman and Casey Close. So wait. Are you telling me that reporters make stuff up from time to time? Is that what we're talking I about I mean, here, this, is, this is crazy talk. Like, I cannot believe that here we are in this day and age. And we have an, a, a, a national radio host admitting he made false claims. Now, to be clear, he never said I lied or I made it up. That's not what Doug Gottlieb said. He said the source he relied on misled him, mm -hmm. which led him to make false claims. It's really despicable. I don't, I don't know how you slice it. But Doug Gottlieb is still employed. Yeah, I know how I slice it. The guy shouldn't be employed. The guy is an embarrassment to the profession because, frankly, this is what we've been saying all along with all the Donovan Mitchell stuff, the Rudy Gobert stuff. Anytime someone goes on Twitter and says we're hacks who just do a YouTube show and we don't know anything, this is why we lean on the track record because we don't report things that we haven't vetted through multiple sources. That's cool that you have a source that's allegedly plugged into the Freddie Freeman situation or was back then when it was happening. The problem is, is that only having one source on a story is not good enough because what does that do? That gives that source leverage. If that source tells you something, you just report everything he says or she says, well, what does that say about you? And so yeah. that's why I say like, this is embarrassing, bro. This is not just like, oh, well, I should apologize and then this will go away. This is a stain on your track record as a media member. And that's why I say, you know, I don't I, I come down hard on this because I just think you have, people don't cherish and value and feel the weight of the responsibility that it is to do media. You know, whether you're doing a radio show, a news talk show, whether you're Doug Gottlieb or whoever, you know, I don't care who you are, what you do. Anybody who's anybody has a responsibility to vet their sourcing and to report facts and to to make sure that the things you are reporting are actually true not just that your buddy who you have coffee with once a week told you that's what i don't like about this and doug gottlieb again with all due respect right like doug gottlieb has never been somebody who i'm like yeah doug said it damn like i better listen like that's never been who doug's been doug is a guy who's had an, a nice career he's really talented he does a pretty decent show but he's not someone who i go to for information he's more of an entertainment guy somebody who just fills fills time and he's had a nice career doing it like like yeah. i'm not trying to hate on the guy's career but this is ridiculous. This, this can't happen. Yeah, I don't understand how or why he thought this was a good idea. But again, I think we've we have told you on this show we take it very seriously when we talk about um, you know when we talk about this stuff and we do a lot of sourcing specifically in you know our 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 contacts are are pretty good 
And when we say it, we don't just talk to one person. And I think that's what it sounds like happened here. I don't know. My opinion is that Doug Gottlieb talked to one person and that was it. How do you know it's true? If we're believing that he talked to a source, he talked to one person, that was it. And I, I just, I'm amazed by that. Yeah. I, I am just, I'm amazed I, by look, that. I think the art of reporting, like, let's be honest, the art of reporting has died. I mean, I, there are few... There are few reporters left in the world that you know their name and you're like, yep, that person said it. I can trust it. You know what I mean? Like, there are, like, I can't really even I mean, think who of is one. That? I mean, outside of Woj. Woj, yeah, I think, I think probably Woj. I think a lot of people would tell you Shams is up that alley. Like, I, but, but even, even still, like, I think, I think the, it's changed now. Like, when I say reporter, I don't even think of Woj. I think of Woj as like just an, a strictly, an information guy, right? I don't I don't think of Woj as a storyteller. I think of Woj as like, hey, something in the NBA happened. Woj must have had it first, right? Because of all the network yes. he has. What what I'm more saying is that Doug Gottlieb is a storyteller. Doug Gottlieb is an entertaining and like an entertainer. Yes. And so when you talk about things in the radio or like in our format where we talk about topics and different happenings, you can't just roll out and be like, Oh yeah, his agent basically forced him to go to LA and there's some conniving. This is the this is the CAA stuff with Donovan. This is this is the Rudy Gobert, you That's know, him exactly or me. what this is. Like yeah. this is the him or me stuff with Rudy Gobert. This is the exact same thing. You heard it from one guy who doesn't know anything about the NBA, and you reported it. And because you work at a certain outlet, people are like, oh, well, that's all fine and dandy. That must have happened. And that's the problem we face nowadays. And that's why I say I'm a big advocate for not just reading one source or one outlet. you got to read a lot of different outlets to get the varying opinions on it. Yep, I agree. Um, so I just wanted to bring that topic up. I really, you know, I see some people commenting on it. I really didn't, you know, I don't want to get into it that much. Um, just because it, I, I, I just think that it's one of those things that we don't, we're never going to know what really happened. We're never, we're never going to know. And by the way, who cares? Because Freddie Freeman's having a hell of a year, and he's, he's, it, it's all, it's all the better. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's not as though you know some guy named Matt Olson hasn't backed him up and backfilled his production. So it's fine. No, it's totally I, I, fine. I agree. I think it's, I, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I just think it's one of those things where, all's well that ends well. And at least he admitted it, right? Yeah. Uh, all's well that ends well when you call our good friend Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Hey, man, when you're looking for a mortgage, make sure you call Devery Davis before you go and buy that house. In fact, if you're going to be looking to buy a house or if you own a home and you're trying to figure out, hey, maybe I'm a little tight on money. How can I help myself? What can I do to make my mortgage payment? Call Devery Davis and talk to him about refi programs. Talk to him about, um, you know, hey, this is what I need out of my house. Hey, my house is worth a million. I only owe 200000 on it. Like, go through that process with Devery. And for all those real estate investors, hey, if you're thinking about picking up investment property, Devery Davis has programs for you on that as well. Make sure you call him today, 801-543-9666, 801 801- 543-9666 uh, for Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Devery Davis with the Davis Lending Team powered by Academy Mortgage. All right, first time home buyers, listen up. 
This one's for you. There's a huge misconception on how much it takes to buy a house. Is it 20%, is it 10%, is it 15%? The answer will surprise you. There's four mortgages in the United States. Two of them require no down payment, two require very minimal down payment. Out of that down payment, um, there's lots of places to get it from. There's state funds, county funds, city funds, lots of ways to buy a house, no money down. When I was 18, I got out of high school, I actually bought a brand new house, no money down, Never regretted it. If you have questions, give me a shout. Glad to walk you through it. Have a great one. There you go. Devery Davis, Academy Mortgage. Uh, give him a call. 801-543-9666. NMLS number 278-545. Devery Davis and the Davis Lending Team at Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. Uh, there is a raging debate about good quality coaches. Um, and Anthony Richardson, Mid-Florida Academy, says Richardson is special. Tackling has a lot to do with who you're tackling. Anthony Richardson is not special. He is not unique. He is not somebody that is going to carry the Florida Gators back to supremacy. Anthony Richardson is an inaccurate, ineffective passer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's the biggest issue. You put that guy under pressure, there's a reason he's under 60% for most of his career. And we'll see what happens after this year. One game against Utah, and he bumped up to 62%. Let's see what happens, because the proof is in the performance, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll be completely wrong. Maybe he'll be the best quarterback in college football, and he'll win the Heisman Trophy. I don't think there's any chance of that. I think Anthony Richardson is a very, very limited passer, especially in the pocket. He has to get outside of the pocket, and the biggest issue for Anthony Richardson is for him to be really effective, he has to run. And at some point, whether you're Lamar Jackson, who the Ravens are a little hesitant to pay right now, or you're Anthony Richardson in Florida, you have to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. And Anthony Richardson has not shown the ability to do that. I mean, it, it really yeah. is. It, it, yeah. I mean, that's it, that's where it comes down to at, at the end of the day. You know, like I just mean, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's a great quarterback, period. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what it is that you can do. Um, you know, I don't know what it is that you can do to make him better. Um, you know, I think it's one of those deals where you have to, you know, you have to find a way to get him to throw the football more effectively or Florida's going to muddle. Yeah. So, all right, uh, 17 pass. Let's get into uh, some locks because I do want to talk NFL and I want to make sure uh, that we get into a lot of these games um, because the two that I think really stand out, this one tonight, and I'm a little surprised, by the way, about the opening line um, for the NFL. Buffalo is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm -hmm. going to Los Angeles to take on the Rams tonight to kick off the NFL season 620 on NBC. Are you surprised that Buffalo's favored here? Um, I, I think that they're getting a lot of respect because they're AFC championship quality. You know, I think that the Buffalo Bills are a team that that is proven. They can go on the road and beat anybody at any time at any point in the year. And I think that not having Stafford, right, you said Stafford's out because of this No, he's going to play. Stafford oh, he will is play. going to play. Yes, Stafford will play. Well, I think, you know – I don't know. I think that Stafford is I, – I, I think any time a quarterback of a team like the Rams has medical 
concerns of any variety, Vegas is not going to give you, you know, a, a, a bunch of leeway on that. I think Vegas has an obligation to say, hey, yeah, you know, the Bills are 100% healthy, so we're going to go ahead and lean their way. And frankly, the Bills have shown this propensity to beat teams on the road like regularly. So that's why I say I think that I'm not necessarily surprised by this line. I think it's a great line for the game from a betting perspective because now you can bet the Rams to to overcome and you can, you know, it gives you opportunities. Uh, so I guess, no, I'm not I'm not super surprised by it just because we know that Josh Allen and, and that Bills team um, can beat anybody at any time. I'm surprised by it. I got to be honest with you. I, I look at some of the, the numbers on this 51 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's probably pretty that's probably pretty close. That's 26 points per team. Okay, I'm good with that. But I look at the money line on this game. The Bills are minus 130. Like that's a little bit of a surprising number to me and I just look at what what you're looking at and I mean, this is the Super Bowl champion LA Rams. Mm-hmm. And they are largely intact. I mean, obviously Odell Beckham Jr is not going to be there, but you look at their their offensive line, you know, you have a replacement there at left tackle. That's a big deal, but it looks like they're going to be fine there. Mm-hmm. I just look at all of the things that people look at, and there are people picking this game at 35-21 Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And, and I, 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 how? Like, how, how are we looking at 35-21 Buffalo? Like, I think Josh Allen and the Bills are going to have a massive season. But I think the LA Rams are still very good. I'm more, I more like this game, and obviously the line at two and a half. You're at, you're basically picking Buffalo as a six point favorite here, right? Because you're giving them three, you're giving the Rams three for being at home, right? And you have the Bills at a two and a half point favorite. You believe they're going to win this game by six or more at that point. I much more see this game as you know a fourth quarter game. That feels like a field goal game to me. That feels like a turnover game to me. I am really surprised. I I, I think if if I were betting this game, I would I would take the Rams because I think the Rams are going to win a high scoring game. I like this game more like thirty one twenty eight Rams. Yeah, I definitely don't see the logic in like thirty five twenty one. I mean, that's just that's, that's craziness. Just, it's just too craziness. far. It's just too far away. I, I think that. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is this is a uh, a thirties game. You know, I, I I like the thirty-eight thirty-one. I like the thirty-five, you know, thirty-five thirty-one tight game setup. And I think that, you know, the 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 Bills are going to come out uh, hot. I frankly, I think the Bills are going to come out and have a lot of success early. And then I would assume that the Rams defense would settle in um, and start reeling this team back in. So to me. I, I agree with you on this one. I think we're on the same page. Like, I think this is, to me, I, I still, I don't know. Something just tells me to take the Bills in this game. I'm not saying that the Rams are going to get, you know, blown out or anything, certainly. Sure. That defense is still super quality. But I just really like the what Josh Allen brings to the table skill set-wise. The guy's got a cannon of an arm, which is what it's going to take to get it into the tight spots of opportunity that you'll have within this this secondary the question's going to be, can they run the football good enough to open up the secondary? That's what I think really kind of decides this game because that Rams defensive line is just so damn good. So that, to me, is what you're looking for. You know, and I also think Von Miller, a lot of people are making a, a big deal about the Von Miller situation and him leaving L.A., going to Buffalo. I just don't think Von Miller's the same player that he was when he was in his prime, and I, and I totally understand that. He is still a very good player. I, I get that. 
he's not the difference-making, edge-rushing, wrecking ball that he used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think Von Miller, is he a nice add for the Buffalo defense? He absolutely is. I still maintain that you you are not going to get to Matthew Stafford, mainly because I feel like he's getting the ball out much more quickly since he got to L.A. Now, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's going to stay in, in the pocket, and you're going to be able to get licks on him, which is why he's often playing injured. But they're so good at getting the ball to the backs. They're so – Cooper Cup is a stud. Yes. The guy is an absolute stud. Yes. I like the Rams in this game, 31-28. What would you – your official 35, pick is – 35-31 Bills. 35-30. So you love a lot of points I in like, this game. Yeah, I like a lot of points in this game. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to that too, by the way. It's our last day in Kona. We're going to Maui for uh, next week. We'll be off on the show tomorrow, by the way, back on Monday. But uh, I think – the great thing about football being back is big parties with a lot of food and hanging out with people and watching yes. the game and yes. talking football. That's what we're doing today for for NFL kickoff here in Hawaii. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm also looking forward to getting home. By the way, yeah, seriously, I am absolutely. I'm ready for more reliable home. internet connections. I'm ready for uh, you know air conditioning. Uh, by the way, for all my people in Salt Lake, please do not melt before I get back. Being that it's been so hot, man. It's going to be cool. It's cooling off, though, starting today. Richard McDonald gives us a four ninety nine tip and says, Love the show, but I feel like y'all reporting on BYU volleyball incident was lacking vetting as well because, well, it fit an easy narrative. And then below so, that, he said a narrative that was easy, I think. Oh, he there did? There was another comment right below that, I think. Okay. Yeah. So what narrative did we fit that into? I think – and by the way, I would – I would in, in if, if you didn't hear our take on – BYU Volleyball, there's like three or four videos on the channel specifically dedicated to that right. That subject. I don't think we talked about narratives. In those situations specifically, we talk about the facts as they are reported. Mm -hmm. That is the way that we build topics on this show. The first day we talked about it, the issues that we brought up were pretty cut and dry. The, the perception versus reality at BYU, I think the perception that, that BYU is a racist institution I think we had a big discussion about people commenting on how the school's named after Brigham Young and Brigham Young was a racist and a slave owner. And I think we talked about all that. I still to this day do not believe that the espousings and the racist beliefs of Brigham Young, however you want to in interpret them, I don't believe they're impacting policymaking at BYU today. Facts. I think I said that straight away. Mm -hmm. I think I said the fact that it's been reported that Brigham Young had as many as 56 wives. I don't think there's anybody at Brigham Young being like, all right, let's go. Just got married. 55 more to go. Nobody's building their life around Brigham Young's 56 wives. Things evolve. People change. We are enlightened, right? So when you talk about an easy narrative, what easy narrative did we fit into? That that's my point. Yeah, and I, I, I think, think that I think that I, I would love to hear what narrative you you think we fit it into because I, I I think we worked hard to have a, a frankly a, a a fact based conversation around what you know what the reporting was based like the facts at that time which was hey like if you think about because remember the timing of this too I also think that's important because the incident happened on a Friday night. And then you have the weekend, right, of until we do our show on Monday. So on Monday, we had said, hey, like this is this is the the, the story being told about what happened, X, Y, and Z. And again, we're not going to get into that whole conversation. You can go and listen to it. But my point here is just that we weren't looking to fit it into a narrative or like or anything convenient. We, in fact, took a lot of heat 
for basically saying like, hey, there are issues here. There are problems here. So I'm, I just would love to hear what narrative it is that you're referencing. Well, and I think the other problem is that you have guys like Ruff's official. Ruff's official will never say anything nice about anybody. That's just who Ruff is. So he said, Ruff says some people think it makes them popular um, to uh, makes them popular to fall in line with the narrative. What narrative? What narrative are Help you talking me understand. about? What narrative are we even referencing? The, the, and what Ruff's what Ruff's official is upset about is that I'm not going to sit here and agree that she made it up. I, I'm not. That appears to be what happened. But saying that has a very heavy implication. It is a very serious accusation. Accusing this kid of being a racist and banning him at BYU is a very serious accusation. People's reputations and their lives are at stake when you make wild accusations like that. I'm not going to do that until there's evidence. I'm going to stick with what the evidence says. There's no video evidence that this kid was even involved in a, in a racial incident. Mm -hmm. Frankly, there's no video evidence at all that there was a racial incident. With all due respect. There's nobody on tape that is seen saying the N-word. There's nobody reacting to somebody who may have said something inflammatory like the N-word. It, does, it doesn't exist. They've looked at millions and millions of angles. They've looked at hundreds of hours of video from what I was told. They've looked at every angle. There's no evidence that it happened. That doesn't mean she lied. That doesn't mean that she didn't hear something. I'm not ready to sit here and I'm not going to do it. This is, you know, the, all the the fools out there comparing this to Juicy Smollett. Like, that is a ridiculous comparison. Yeah. If you're going to bring that guy's name up, that means you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know what happened with him. It's just a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah. I am not going to condemn, the, you know, this kid that is now banned from BYU or this volleyball player at Duke. I, I you, I, I need more evidence to, to say that you made up the fact that somebody yelled an N-bomb at you. Do you not understand how serious that is? Yeah. Do you, do you not? You're so outraged. Well, do you understand that you're doing the exact same thing that you're claiming that she did to you? Like, settle down, wait for the actual facts to come out yeah. before you start talking about ending somebody's life. Yeah, man, like these are not light conversations. These are not throwaway conversations. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about people that have the rest of the, their teenagers. Do you understand that? These are 18, 19, 20 year olds. This is the rest of their life, man. Like this is not something we're to so quick. take lightly. Dude, we're so quick to be like, oh, well, she made it up and she lied. Well, how the hell do you know? How do you know? Like, like. I just don't think it's right to just jump on this bandwagon. This is the same conversation as saying that Utah is a is a is an average ass SEC team. Like this is this is what I'm saying. This is what we do. Oh well, well, there's no tape. Then she made it up. Okay, well, that's not true. She may have made it up. Yeah, sure, that may have happened. Or she may have been called the N bomb and it wasn't caught on tape. So. If it happened but it wasn't on tape, does that mean that she lied and she made it up? And she's or maybe she person? thought she heard it. Does or, that mean she exactly, made it up? Like, exactly. We're never, That's what I'm the, saying. The problem is we're never going to get to the end of it. But yeah. all of the people saying she lied, she made it up, it's a fact. It's not a fact. Yeah. It's not a fact. And I'm not going to entertain the conversation because she did. you don't know what was in her head. And you're trying to convict somebody and you're trying to, like all the people who called for this kid at BYU to be banned. Like, you just know you don't ban somebody because Texas asked you to. 
because Duke. Texas or Duke, excuse me, asked you to. You don't ban somebody because Duke said ban this kid. That was the mistake that BYU made. They lurched because it was such a serious accusation, and it's just not something that people make up. So again, what's the narrative we're trying to fit into right now? That's what I'd like to know from the comments since we're talking about narratives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think it is, it's a terrible situation. That's that's where I've I've come to the point where I'm just leaving it at. This is a gnarly, awful, terrible situation. This whole thing sucks because there's no good way to mm -hmm. end it. There's no, there, folks, I got news for you. There's no happy ending. Nope. Because what if it's proven she made it up? Do you think BYU's getting and away from this? And the problem is is that nine, uh, not nine out of ten people, but there are a lot of people who feel like the happy ending is saying that she lied. That's what people want. They, they want it to come out that she lied and made it up and it's conspiracy theory world and that and that's and, and we're not on this show going to live there. Okay, so she lied, she made it up. Now what? BYU's not racist anymore? Yeah, they are because perception's reality. Nobody's going to follow the story if she made it up. And by the way, how are you going to prove that? Yeah. But so she made it up. It doesn't fix your problem. It doesn't because now forevermore, BYU is going to be labeled as a racist institution. You think South Carolina is coming back to play basketball? Nope. They're not. They're not. That game's that series is over forever. Like that's the problem. That's why this is such a serious thing. So being an idiot and being like, it's fact. She made it up. No, it's not fact. That's not how we do business. That's not how human beings do business. You go through it. You let the process play out. That's why you have to wait. And you play, like on the show, we played Tom Homo's statement repeatedly mm -hmm. that he made Saturday at, at the volleyball match. We played it multiple times, right? And then when the Salt Lake Tribune, who did excellent reporting on this, came out and quoted the police department, quoted BYU staff, administrators. We found out that they sent administrators there. We talked about it. All of this is in our own words. It's on the channel. Go back and watch it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just not going to entertain this discussion of, of, of this ridiculousness that she made it up or this kid is a racist or because there's no win yeah. in it. That's why it's so frustrating for me. It's really despicable. Because you don't get away from this stuff. The actual damage cannot be undone. We're so hung up on did she lie or not that we're missing the idea that <sighs> hundreds of people are uh, affected by this when you get to the institution yeah, level. Do you know the damage that this did to BYU? Do you have any idea? Well, I think that people kind of Man. have an understanding, but they just don't care that much. I mean, they're they're fine with it. I, I just I, I think the sad part is is that you can never, use whatever phrase you want, can never unring the bell. There are now people in this country who believe that BYU is a racist institution. Mm -hmm. And the people who believed BYU is a racist institution before feel like now they're more right. There are people in this country who believe that Tom Homo supports and gives breath to racists to come to BYU events. Because mm -hmm. I, I guarantee you there's a large swath of people who have no idea um, that Tom Homo banned this kid that night. And it's, it's just sad. It, the whole yeah, thing, it's frustrating. the whole thing, it is, it's so frustrating. That's why I don't want to get back into it. That's why yeah. I don't want to keep diving back into it. We have to keep talking you know, like, about this instead of talking about football. It, and it, it just brings up all these heinous things about Duke and about BYU and, you know, <laughs> perfect example. CD, dude, anybody remember Duke lacrosse? 
Who cares about Duke lacrosse? Who cares? Like that, do you understand how long ago that scandal was? Those kids that were involved in the Duke lacrosse scandal, all they want to do is leave it behind them. And it's guys like you who keep bringing it up to make your point that make it even worse. I, like, I, I'm just, I, I'm over it. I, I'm over it. I'm all over it. Because everybody in this situation is forever damaged. See, do you think this volleyball player isn't damaged? You think this girl who now has been labeled a, a, a liar and a race baiter and what if she actually heard that? Have you like spent any time employing empathy in your life? Nope. What if she actually heard that? What, what if she thought she heard that? What if she thought she heard that? Have you put yourself in her shoes at all? Nope, because that's not what we do. You know, like, I, I just don't, I don't know why we can't have love and compassion for people. Why do we automatically have to assume they're liars, racists, race baiters? Why do we automatically have to do that? I just don't, I, I just don't, I don't, anyway, it's, it really upsets me. The whole, the whole situation with race in this country really upsets me. It really bothers me. Yep. And I can't stand it. I, I, I just can't do it. So, instead, we're going to pick football games. This is exciting. How about Alabama and Texas? Yes. Saturday. Game of the weekend. 10 a.m. This is a huge game. This is a huge game. And Alabama is favored by 20 whole points in Austin at Texas. Mm -hmm. Hook them horns. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm going to bet this game, I'm probably going to bet Texas because nobody's putting their money on Alabama to cover 20. And if you are, you're, you're a fool. If I'm picking this game, Alabama's going to win comfortably. This and I will just, again, say what I said to open the show. Will Anderson's the best college football player in the country. Defensive end, linebacker, slash they call them linebackers. Mm -hmm. Defensive end, Will Anderson at Alabama, the best college football player in the country. I think the guy is yeah. a stud. The right tackle at Texas is a freshman. And I just don't see any way that they're they're going to be able to to hold up against that kind of rush, Jake. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. I can absolutely see a scenario. Absolutely see a scenario where Alabama covers that 20. But I think they win by 17. Yeah, you know, I, I think that Alabama is going to control this game and do what Alabama does. I, I think we can all agree on that. I think the conversation and, and what fascinates me is is how this game plays out, though. Like, is is this a game where Texas comes out early and, and gets a 10-pointer on Alabama, let's say? Is this a game where Alabama just rolls out and road grades this team, controls the clock, and possesses the football for most of the first quarter? That's what I'm really curious about. And, and frankly, you know, the, what I'm going to be specifically watching for in this game is the defense. I, I, I think your 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 take on Will Anderson and, and, and that whole that whole defense is spot on. I think Alabama in the past couple of years has really struggled defensively. I mean, we we have seen them like I remember that Florida game, I think that was last year, maybe the year before, where you're in the swamp and you're you're struggling to to beat that team and they were not good. So this year, when you've got guys of his caliber, I would expect you to be able to suffocate teams like Texas and really yeah. hold them down so i agree that 20 points is definitely possible but i like this game to be a a, a a two possession game for alabama most of the way 
And I think it again. Oh, wow, it depends. You do. Yeah, I think they dominate Texas. I think that it's an exciting game. I think there's obviously going to be some turnovers, but yeah, I, I think you. I, I don't think that Alabama is covering twenty, but I definitely think it's fourteen to seventeen points. Absolutely. I think the name that you need to watch in this game, and and I know that there's amongst many Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver at Texas. Mm-hmm is worthy of your attention. See what he did there? Worthy and worthy like his name, but then the word, it, it all kind of plays together. Synergistic. Right, Synergistic. synergistically speaking. I think Xavier Worthy is the guy that you have to watch on this team, and um, just reading through my notes from last night, like I, I look at I look at the way that Alabama plays. Xavier Worthy is going to have to make a play or 17 mm-hmm. for them to win, but let's be honest. that's He's probably the guy that can make a difference in this game, and even if he has a career game, Texas isn't winning this game. And I I look at um, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They are fully engaged. They are locked in. Um, The offensive line has, in my opinion, never been this good at Alabama. Mm -hmm. Um, And I agree that this is a Texas team like we've never seen before. I think you look at Texas and you look at what – um, you know, Sark has has built there. Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator, is one of the best underrated DCs in the country. He was the architect of all those great um, athletic defenses at Oregon. I think he's bringing that to Texas. I love what Texas is building, but they're building. And Texas is not built the way that Alabama is built. Alabama is a stud up front. Alabama is a stud on the offensive line and the defensive line. And Will Anderson, I'll say it again, is the best football player in college athletics today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly why you're going to see Alabama win the game. I think Texas will have moments. I think Texas will make plays, Xavier Worthy in mind. But I think ultimately they collapse under the might and the weight and the 10,000-pound behemoth that is Nick Saban in Alabama. And I think Alabama probably wins this game 48 27 something in that line 48 31 mm-hmm. something like that that feels more i think you roll out of bed and you score three touchdowns in college football so i'll give sark and texas that that benefit of the doubt i think if i was picking the score i would probably i want to go 48 21 because I'll give them the minimum doubt against what I think is the class of defense in college football. Yeah, I think this is thirty-eight twenty. I think it's I think it's it's under wow, that's it's, it. it's under twenty for for Alabama, and I think that Texas is going to push Alabama's defense a little bit early in the game, which is going to chew up some time. And that's ultimately why I think Alabama doesn't score 45, 50 points in this game. Um, wow. So I like I like thirty-eight twenty. That's that's where I come down. Do you understand? And I think you probably do. But do you understand how good Bryce Young is? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think Bryce Young is one of the few quarterbacks who has a chance to go back to back in New York. So I'm saying this has nothing to do with with Alabama's offense, though. Like we need to understand that. Like this is about in terms of how many points they score, because Alabama is not going to have trouble scoring in this game. I think this game is much more about that Texas offense versus the Alabama defense hey, and what watch the your defense mouth. can get done. That's Nick Saban's defense. I know it's Nick Saban's defense. You watch your mouth, you know, sir. He's he's you know it's Nick it's the Sabinator. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Sabinator. You know what I mean? Like the first Sabinator. Yeah, like it's the, the Sabinator. The first Sabinator of the year. You know now. What I mean? College football has arrived. Jake dropped a Sabinator. Yeah, it's a Sabinator. You I know love what I mean? that. So I, I, I think this game is all about Texas's ability to get down the field yes. with, with, with 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 that offense and that and the athleticism they have at wideout and and what that looks like. I mean, again, if Texas comes out and puts up 
two, maybe even three touchdowns in the first half, now you got a barn burner on your hands, right? But if Alabama's defense can hold them to one touchdown in the first half, we're, we're, we're in a different place. Stop the show. There has oh, been God. slander. Oh, God. There Here is, we go. There has been slander. Here we go. And it must be corrected. Gabe Rasmussen says Stetson Bennett is better. Than? Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. Then, then Bryce Young. No. Bro. Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. Gabe, 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 hey Gabe. I think he only said this was a joke, right? I mean, you were kidding. This is Utah as a mediocre SEC team. You're not being serious, right? Uh, bro. Look, I like Stetson Bennett. Georgia has a fine offense. He's a really good quarterback. Bryce Young is next level. His athletic ability, his vision, I think his ability to move to move the entire defense. Uh, there are very few quarterbacks in this country. Mm -hmm. With all due respect to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, because I know he's the best thing since sliced nothing burgers. Because he sucks, too. With all due respect. Um, yeah. I think Bryce Young's one of the few quarterbacks that just about all 11 guys on defense have their eyes on every single snap. That's because right, you just don't know how he's going to beat you. Yes. Is he going to throw deep? Is he going to throw intermediate? Is he going to run? Is he going to roll the pocket? Are we going to RPO? Like, he has every tool in his bag. I think Stetson Bennett's not the athlete that Bryce Young is. And again, I really like Stetson Bennett. I think, obviously, in the national championship game, what we saw him do against Oregon was spectacular. Bryce Young is just that next-level passer, in my I'm opinion. And I, I think, without question, everybody's got flaws as a quarterback. I think Bryce Young, at the college level, at the college level, I think Stetson Bennett could be a better NFL pocket passer. But at the college level, I think Bryce Young has as few flaws as you can possibly have in college football. Man, he is good. And I think that's why I think that's why 48-21 is the number that I'm going to go with. Um, I think Alabama is So they are going to cover. Yeah, I think Alabama's is Hey, listen. Listen. <gasps> oh, what? no. Kid Chris, please. Is that true? Jesus. The Queen of England has died? Is that true? Bro. Jake, you got to get on the on the Twitter Holy webs crap. here. crap. You're acting like the world just ended. Bro. The Queen of England died. The Queen of England. Yes, I understand. The Queen of England. Great. Football starting. Who cares? Well, I care. Jesus. You're you're saying that Queen Elizabeth is, is dead? Oh, that would be really bad. Google searching Queen of England dead. Oh, that would be a bummer. Oh, Cade said yes, that's true. Yes, she's dead. Oh, that's that sucks, dude. Oh, an end of an era. That's a bummer. Okay, Boyd Lake would like to know if Bryce Young has been under pressure ever. I don't think so. Not one snap in his entire football career. Uh, with that offensive line, I wouldn't expect him to be under much pressure either, by the way, because uh, they are they are very, very good. They are very, very good. Yeah. Um, you know, so I wouldn't expect him to be under pressure. Uh, let's see. May, Amari Moore says Utes are still a good football team. Okay, welcome to the show. Uh, M. Moore says she did. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe Rashmussen says, nah, she's alive. Uh, Boyd Lake says true. Kurt Meyer says dead. Too Gabe Rashmussen bad, says, oh, never mind. Did you see stories that said she was dead? Yes. Yes, so it's all over the news. We've man. confirmed it through Doug Gottlieb's sources that yes, she's dead. The, the New York Times, which I know is fake news. The Washington Post, fake news. The Guardian, uh, fake news. You know, all you these, know. you know, 
Fake news, I isn't know. That, isn't the that, Associated Press, fake news. Uh, isn't CBS, that sad that, that everything's like, oh, fake news. CBS News, fake, fake news. Fake news. Um, um, you, you know. know. Yeah. All right, let's keep rolling. Locks on a uh, Thursday that's actually our Friday. Don't forget, we'll be off tomorrow. Travel day uh, and stuff. You know, travel day and whatnot. we got to pack it up. Uh, let's roll to uh, USC and Stanford. Just USC. Okay. Um, where do you come down on how good USC is? I don't. I, I mean, I know that you are somebody that um, you're not a big Lincoln Riley guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, USC is no middle of the road SEC team, but they're pretty good. Um, you know, USC. See what I did there. See what I did there. They're not a middle of the road. Okay. Anyway, middle of the road. Yeah. Anyway. Um, point is, USC is good. I think that. This week is where we see just how good they are. I think this 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 matchup against Stanford isn't going to be close. USC is going to win this game. Uh, I have zero doubts about that, and it's going to be comfortable and non-competitive, you know, by the fourth quarter. But I think that you know, early in this game, we need to see what this defense can do against the run. I I, I was not pleased that that defense gave up 146 yards against Rice uh, on the ground. Uh, I think that that's unacceptable. I think that that's just not going to get it done if you want to win a national championship or frankly if you just want to be in the college football playoff i mean i i think if we're being honest like the national championship obviously is the two best teams in the country but the college football playoff you're playing you know what potentially i the four best teams in 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 the playoff and then obviously with expansion coming so that's why i say you got to be able to stop the run and, and i think that giving up 146 yards on the ground to rice is not ideal to say the least so to me that's what i'm looking for this isn't really even a question that sc is going to win it's more a question of is is sc going to be able to stop the run consistently in this game well i think that sc will stop the run as we talk college football on the monty show presented by the advocates utahadvocates.com i think the thing in this game is very simple and and it, it really comes down to class of player and, again, when I, I look at what Stanford has in Tanner McKee, he's not Caleb Williams. And I think Tanner McKee's a good football player. He's a good quarterback. But they're going to have to run the ball to win. And I think, as we talked about earlier in the show, if you're just tuning in, Lincoln Riley's never been known as a defensive guy. Correct. Right? He's always had outstanding offenses and mid-table defenses all the way back through Oklahoma. Stanford's going to score points in this game. The question is, will it be 21 more or less. If Stanford scores more than 21 points, they have a chance to win this game. I just don't know how they're going to do that because this feels like a game where Stanford's going to hang in there for a quarter or two, maybe come out well-rested in the third, take a shot here and there. But when you have to grind out and run the football to win games, mm-hmm. that's not the formula to beat USC. To beat USC, you need to get into a shootout. You need to get into situations where Caleb Williams has to throw the ball to win. That's not going to be the case here. I don't think this is going to be close. My gut tells me the cap offensively for Stanford in this game is 17 points. And if they score 17, I think USC is going to score at least twice that. 34-17 feels like the right number to me. Yeah, I think it's even more dominant than that. I think it's 40-10. to 10. That's how much of an ass-kicking wow. I think this is going to be. I think that SC is much more athletic. I think that uh, the reintroduction of Good Caleb Lord. Williams into the – uh, college football, uh, you know, spotlight, if you will, 
in an SC uniform with Lincoln on the sideline and just the momentum they're going to have in the field this game when they snap the football the first time. I just think that SC is going to roll in this game, and that's why I say I, I don't think that this really even is a question of who's winning. It's more a question of what to watch for in the game, and that's why I say if you're going to watch this game, look for SC's defense against the run 